Hello, welcome back. It's Hello three. everyone, what's up? Very nice to be here. Hello. With another team. Honestly, very excited to uh, present a team for another interview. A team which I actually found out about quite uh, at an early stage, I think, when I heard about Vendor for the, stay, for the first time. When I was actually following uh, Twitter and I saw Yeti Wap's uh, mm-hmm. profile, discovered about uh, Vendor Finance way back then. Uh, if you haven't heard about uh, Vendor before, it's a permissionless, non-liquidatable, fixed rate and fixed term loan pools customized uh, by, by lenders, uh, under collateralized loan uh, narratives at its best. And uh, we're here with some folks from the team, uh, Lorem, Taiga, MaxCoins, Nice to have you all here, and uh, what's up? Yep. Thanks for having us. Really appreciate that. And uh, I totally do remember you, Advisor, joining the Discord super early, having us on your uh, daily newspaper. That's I think that was the first newspaper that actually mentioned us. <laughs> it's yeah. actually really cool, and it's cool to see how far it went from like that newspaper to like such a professionally held interview space. It's, it's wonderful. I'm, I'm Thanks a lot, and uh, quite amazing. a big honor to now be with uh, the guys here on Leviathan as well. And of course, I think you've come uh, just as long of a way, if not uh, farther. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully even further we'll go. So <laughs> definitely thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us, guys. Yeah. Why don't you tell us uh, some of the stuff, uh, like, uh, first of all, about you guys a little bit, and what is Vendor, and, like, what are you all about, what's your vision? Uh, where do you see yourself uh, fit in in the landscape of DeFi? Yeah, uh, I can take this one, right? So first of all, my name is Taiga. I'm a co-founder and doing the smart contract work as well. Um, Lorem is also a co-founder and uh, he's primarily our front-end guru, helps us with the contracts at some sometimes also. And uh, Max, is he's our industry advisor, so he helps all things math, all things finance, so he, he does all the magic. So if you have any complicated or um, non-trivial questions, he's the guy to respond to those. But in a nutshell, vendor finance is a platform where people, uh, essentially lenders and borrowers, can meet and uh, decide um, how they're going to lend and borrow on their own terms, right? So usually what happens right now is that market dictates what the lending and borrowing terms are. Um, and there are liquidations, right? So a vendor essentially eliminates that and it eliminates the need for oracles as well. So we support any asset, any terms, and uh, lenders and borrowers get to decide on those terms. That's really cool because um, what people are usually used to, at least in traditional finance, is that uh, you wouldn't get liquidated, right? When you're getting a mortgage and you're borrowing against uh, a house, right? The mortgage is essentially borrowing against the house that you're buying. If you continue paying, even if your house doesn't cost as much because of a housing crash or something, right? As long as you're paying, you're not ending up on a street. So it's kind of weird. Why are we doing it a little bit differently in DeFi? And I remember when you actually like start in DeFi and you look into Aves of the world, right? It's a little bit confusing. It's not what you're used to in traditional world. Um, so we are actually adding the infrastructure to do traditional and more like a uh, yeah, more a traditional kind of lending market where um, currently lenders can set their own terms and maybe in the future banks could come in and actually lend on their own terms, but maybe lend cryptocurrency against a traditional underwriting process, right? So we want to be the infrastructure to underwrite any kind of loans and they're going to be non-liquidatable and on any kind of terms. So 
we want to be super flexible and we want to offer that flexibility to people in DeFi today. Okay. So when, when I hear those sorts of things, right, I just hear the risk is getting shifted somewhere else. Yes, absolutely. A wonderful question right on the head. It's a, it's, it's, it is indeed this way, right? So usually when you're doing something on Aave, the risk is on the borrower, right? You, you sleep and you get liquidated and uh, the lender kind of can sleep better. And that's why we have so many lenders in Aave and that's why the rates are so low, right? Um, that's not a typical rate, that not even in traditional finance, the rates are so low. Um, here, you do shift the risk to the lender because the lender, in case the borrower does not repay the loan, gets all of the defaulted collateral, right? Uh, so how do we mitigate that? Is we give the lender the entirety of the control over the loan terms, right? Mm -hmm. They choose what tokens they want to lend, what tokens they choose as collateral, how much they charge for that risk, and how much they lend for each unit of collateral. So essentially, they get to control that risk. They get to estimate that risk. And instead of a black swan event for like a borrower, it's a very calculated um, and well-priced kind of process for the lender. And um, so we, we kind of shift the risk to the lender, but we allow them to control it, which is unique. Well, it sounds to me that, okay, so I, I'm, my next kind of point that I would go to is that like, with these single use loans, are the lenders actually able to price their loans correctly? What do you mean by single use? Well, I mean like the, these like single loans. So like you're, you're lending to somebody, right? So like you're, you're creating, from yeah. what I saw on the site, you're creating individual loans, loan turns that somebody can take. Yeah. Um, so I would think that the, they're like, okay. So maybe, maybe at a larger scale, right? Uh, well, I, I don't even know that. I like can can. It's a good question. Can the risk can lenders properly uh, price I, I, this? With I think I understand your question works, very right? well, and yeah. I think um, Max loves this conversation as well. But what what really happens is um, when you, when you're lending, you you're essentially underwriting an option, right? So the interest mm -hmm. that you want to charge is essentially the same interest that you would want to charge when you're pricing an option. Because what happens is borrowers, they get a, um, I think, a put, put option, right? Because they can either repay or not repay. So if their collateral drops a certain amount, they don't have to repay, right? So they're kind of protected. Um, if they're borrowed, uh, like, let's say, 1500 against the rep ETH that was 1000 right? Oh, sorry, uh, 1000 against rep ETH that was 1500 if RAPEF goes below a thousand, right, they don't have to repay. So they, they essentially have a put option with a strike of a thousand. And what lenders do is they underwrite that option, right? And whatever they use, like a Black Scholes calculator or whatever, uh, to price the options, they can use to price those loans as well. I'm sure uh, Max can add a little bit more information on that, but um, it's definitely possible to very well calculate and price those loans. Whether lenders today know how to do it, I think some do, some don't. <laughs> but it's it's not rocket science; it's doable, and and there's math behind it, and people have been doing that in traditional finance for ages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sorry, I mean, I, oh, 
Go, yeah, go ahead, Max. No, I, I had gotten disconnected before. I apologize. Um, yeah, so uh, basically, um, like my background is in is in options trading, and um, and it's funny that you had mentioned rocket science because that's kind of like very much uh, has to do with uh, options trading and things like that. Um, but anyway, uh, the um, the main idea behind pricing these things is that not only do you have the optionality of it that, that Ty mentioned, but also the use of the capital. So through some combination of what you would expect an interest rate to be, um, given the markets, given, you know, basically the forward prices of whatever uh, asset pair that you have um, relative to each other, you can price these things with traditional finance models. So um, well, I, I guess I can say I I'm going to concede that there's always going to be a way to price these things, right? Okay. Uh, I, I think that's not the what I was going towards. I think what I wanted to ask was that, is this a more efficient way of borrowing? Or is that even the point? And if it is if it is or if it's not, like what is trying to be achieved here? And how do you see the rates being competitive to other... Uh, so platforms can I can I jump in here on behalf of the vendor team because I think that something that like we skipped past pretty mm -hmm. quickly but it's like worth walking through is just like the the actual user experience and the flow right yeah and I think like an important thing to recognize like let's say I'm a borrower for vendor finance it it, it starts looking like Ave where I I need collateral I put it in and I know I'm going to take a loan. Um, but like the major, major difference that is like the key to understanding this is that when you take a loan from vendor, you're taking a duration as well. And within that duration, it does not matter what happens to the price of your collateral, to your borrow asset, whatever, you can't be liquidated. And so, yes. yeah. And so Max, you can take it from there. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's kind of one of, I mean, just to give an example. So when, when liquidity started, um, another protocol that I'm quite fond of, um, a couple of weeks after that, um, started, I, I, I opened a trove and, and borrowed money. And of course that was a very rough time in Ethereum's history. <laughs> and there was a, um, you know, there was a time I, you know, I, I'm on the West coast and, and basically at like four in the morning, um, I, wake up for other reasons and go over and check and everything is falling out of bed right so i thought that i was you know collateralized enough for this but liquidity has a feature um where the entire protocol if it's if it's starts to get unbalanced goes into a recovery mode and you have to have um, basically a higher uh, liquidation standard than normal and unfortunately um ethereum got three dollars past my liquidation point and someone was there uh pressing the button now, what was funny is that in, you know, two weeks or whatever, um, no one had written robots as they normally do to liquidate other people. So also on this list was Justin's son, who had a billion dollar trove. And if I had found his button and pushed it, I would have gotten half a percent of that as a liquidation bonus, which is quite a lot of money. So um, one of those things that you have to realize is that if, if he is able to be in a position for... I think it was two and a half minutes um, with an extraordinary amount of capital. That's a black swan kind of event, right? So what we're doing is we're taking that black swan, anything can happen with a price or a price oracle for that matter, and transferring that risk from the borrower to the lender. But the thing is, the lender knows what this relationship is between the two assets because he can estimate the volatility, et cetera, et cetera. So we're turning this large unknown risk into a known risk with a standardized price 
that lender can now charge the borrower. Yeah, and I, I wish Wen Moon was here because anytime something financial comes up that I don't understand, um, he's the one who explains it to me. And so like he explained, uh, I got confused a long time ago that people were referring to vendor as like options. And like, I think the critical thing to understand is in this, like it doesn't ha matter what happens in the, like in the meantime, it only matters what happens at the end. And then like the option is like, if something happened to the price and the borrower realizes it's just better to keep what they borrowed than the, yeah. like the current collateral value, then mm -hmm. they keep it. Right. And like effectively the lender has written a, a call. Wait, damn it. A put option. I think, yeah. <laughs> I think we maybe jump well, a little bit too early into the options thing. So essentially like, right. Like, like what Rex said, um, Let's, let's look at what really the UX is going to look like, right? So the lender is going to come in and he's going to say, I want to lend um, $1,000 for every Ethereum that a person deposits and I want to lend it for three months, right? So once they say that, a borrower can come in and say, all right, I can borrow $1,000 for every Ethereum that I deposit and I'm going to have them for three months. Just like Rex said, right? Nothing is going to happen to that loan in three months. He's never going to get liquidated. Even if Ethereum is costing $500, right? It's not going to get liquidated. And at the end of it, the, the borrower gets to choose whether or not they want to repay. And if Ethereum is 500, they don't have to repay, right? And if Ethereum is above 1,000, which uh, the borrower got, they are, have the incentive to repay, right? And essentially, this is just a loan where the, the risk is shifted a little bit to the lender. But once you start thinking more about it, it acts exactly like a put option. But in fact, if you flip the tokens, it can be a call option. But that's beyond the point. <laughs> um, we only want to concentrate on the fact that you borrow a fixed number of lend tokens per unit of collateral. That number will never change during the duration of the loan. Have a fixed expiry. And then at the end of the month, at the end of the term, you decide, do I want to repay or I do not want to repay, right? So there's just a very simple decision the borrower has to make. And there's no other risk besides that, which maybe is a smart contract risk, but that's kind of a given on any product. Yeah, welcome to the game. <laughs> yeah. So, and that also eliminates the need for oracles because we don't, we don't care about what the prices of the assets are. We just care, all right. For me personally, does my collateral worth more than that loan, right? And if it does, I'll repay. If it doesn't, I won't repay. That opens a lot of possibilities, which means um, any kind of token soon, maybe this week, maybe next week, we're going to be adding LP tokens, right? In, in fact, we can be fully permissionless. We just want to be careful. We want to make sure we onboard items that are somewhat uh, vetted at the moment just so we don't have like uh, yeah like regular guarded launch that right? experience for people yeah, yeah. but the end goal is completely permissionless um so yeah it's 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 really cool because it's much more flexible in that way and um yeah i understand it a bit more now so the the, the risk is offloaded to the lenders who then are expected to hedge uh, in whatever platform they have right so instead of instead of relying on a set of oracles where you're using a uh like a liquidation engine plus oracles in the background to hedge that risk, uh, you now as the lender uh, should be hedging that somewhere else, either in using like an options platform or with perps or whatever kind of like method you want to uh, in whatever venue you want.
but it's on, but it just reduces the dependencies uh, that you need on chain. So you don't have to have any, you, there's less or, or there is no Oracle risk. And uh, like you said, it, it creates a, uh, just a different set of dependencies that you rely on. Yeah, it's just a different way to look at it. And we never said, or we, we don't think that it's like, should kill the obvious of the world, right? It's just going to be a very different model that yeah. works better for some people. What, what I think like, yeah, anyone who is hearing this conversation and thinking like, oh, is Ave in trouble or not? It's like, no, 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 no. Is wrong. Of, yeah, yeah, Sam, you're definitely not saying that. But like, <laughs> is wrong about like the magic of DeFi, right? And like, Vendor is like part of this renaissance that like we're in the middle of right now, which is like alternate ways to do lending other than just the Ave model, right? And it, whether like Curve USD is the most recent one, but, uh, but a vendor is like, equally cool because it is like how can we achieve lending but in ways that are more stable less prone to cascading uh, cascading liquidations less prone to making DeFi a like less stable place and like that i just think is very cool yeah and also like how can we support a myriad of other tokens that are not rap eth rap bitcoin curve or like those giant yeah how can you save Exactly. Yeah. How can you safely provide a market for borrowing for a t like for a shit coin that like Ave exactly. wouldn't want to like taint their collateral pool with? Yeah, exactly. There was Rari for that, right? Yeah. That just did not work. Um, yeah. And um, it's uh, it's it's a problem that is currently being solved by many people, right? And this is just one approach that we mm -hmm. think is promising because it also offers the ability to have non-liquidation loans and. That's just something that lenders can charge a premium for, right? And uh, having this kind of an opportunity and an option is always good. More options for DeFi, the better for all of us. Yeah, I think there's, I think there is something there. I mean, we had Dan Elitzer on uh, a couple of days ago, and he's had right up this whole kind of thesis about like the next wave of DeFi is going to be Oracleless. Yeah, and uh, you know, this is, I guess, vendors just one of the ones that's figuring this out in a different way. Uh, so. Well, it's cool that vendors' oracle-lessness is just a product of the design and not like a like active thing that you guys are choosing to do to create like a more safe protocol. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it is nice. In fact, we do use oracles like as a feature. Um, like uh, th there is an ability to turn uh, on an additional protection layer that's on chain, where like if you're lending against Wrapped Ethereum and you're lending a thousand dollars and Wrapped Ethereum becomes below a thousand, right? Uh, we can help you and disable borrowing for some time, just so you are not lending more than you're accepting. Mm, yeah, but that's automation tools. That's yeah, but that's always can be done off chain for those tokens without oracles and stuff. So it's it's a little feature that we like to talk about to like have lenders that are not familiar with this model be like like kind of hold them by their hand while they're familiarizing themselves with this mode. But yeah, absolutely. Majority of the pools and tokens that we uh, list and uh, people are lending against, they, they don't have an Oracle and it's totally fine. So what kind of assets uh, can someone uh, use today on a vendor? It's only on Arbitrum at the moment. Yeah, that, that's the first question is like, where, where do you guys live and where do you want to <laughs> live? Um, and then secondly, like, how does that reflect it in the assets you support today? And then what's your strategy for like growing that, the assets? Lauren, do you want to take that one? I don't want to be the only guy talking. About <laughs> yeah, no worries. I can take that one. Yes. Seven of us. 
Yeah, so right now we are on uh, Arbitrum and uh, Ethereum mainnet. Our V1 is on Arbitrum and Ethereum mainnet. And right now um, our V2 is currently just on Arbitrum, but we're working on mainnet in the background. Um, but yeah, we're really open to any chain that is like EVM compatible. We don't have any hard dependencies since we don't have like oracles. We don't need like a chain link feed on yeah. every single chain we want to go to. So that's quite nice. Okay, um, can I give you un unsolicited business development advice? Yeah, go go, set, go deploy something on Polygon ZK EVM. I'm like pretty sure that you will get like the full support of Polygon to be like moving new projects there. <laughs> okay, yeah, that would be great. I, I think we we looked at Polygon a few months ago, um, and then we we didn't find any like we didn't want to just launch on Polygon and yeah, have yeah. no I mean, partnerships, but. Yeah, like we're really open to really any chain. If we can find a partnership, we're doing a double open to launching on that chain. Yeah, um, I just, I'm a huge, as an Ethereum, I want good projects to be moving to ZK EVMs, whether it's ZK Sync Era or Polygon or whatever. But um, like, we're here, man. <laughs> we're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to know. We'll, we'll reach out real soon. Um, in terms of tokens Absolutely. that we support, yeah. at least on Arbitrum, we were support around, I think it's like 26, maybe 25 tokens. Um, you can expect to see the like the big names like Wrapped ETH, um, mm -hmm. Arbitrum, Bitcoin. Those are kind of expected. But then we have a few more niche tokens. We recently added PLS ARB. Um, there's a PLS ARB pool. Um, users can deposit their PLS ARB and they can borrow ARB against it. There's uh, I think they launched the pool with uh, one hundred thousand dollars worth of uh, I think it's. $100,000 worth of ARB. And, so that's and during this like permissioned rollout time, like which parts are gated? Is it like which the assets that are allowed in, but then anyone can create their own pools or, or even the pools gated right now? Uh, just the assets. So like, okay. yeah, we, we whitelist the assets. And once we whitelist it, anyone can launch a pool with those assets. Cool. If somebody wants a new asset, I mean, we list it within like five hours or so. It, yes. it is just like some basic um, due diligence. So what we do not want listed is rebasing tokens. So that's pretty much the only thing that we're looking for because we always want to make sure that we're giving a constant amount of lend tokens for a constant amount of collateral. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If that kind of shifts, that's the dynamic that wouldn't quite work and there are going to be surprises there. So as long as it's not rebasing, we can list it. And that's why we're like looking towards LP tokens because we think that's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. and, um, we probably should have done that earlier, but that's <laughs> really soon. So I guess my biggest thing that I like, the things that have succeeded in DeFi and have done really well have been these like dead stupid products where mm -hmm. you're just like, here's my collateral. <laughs> Somebody go do something with it. Uh, and obviously this does create more dependencies, but you look at the platforms which have done well uh, like Yearn, you just like deposit whatever collateral you have. Or Ave, there's just a pool, you put it in and it and people can borrow against it or lend uh, take it as a, a loan. Um, but here there's like way more components that I have to think about, especially on both the borrowing side and the lending side. Um, so I I think the repayment date is not a huge issue. Uh, but as a well I'll start on the borrowing side. So I would be a little wary about the borrowing rates because they seem to be all over the place, right? I see some borrowing rates like in the 30s. I see some at nine. Um, I'm I'm sure this is just like the 
the size of the of your guys's TVL is not big enough to to create. Well, like, no, no, what? the rates don't vary with TVL. Like those rates. No, no, those are, are set. Those are yeah. set. Right. Yeah. Those are those are set. Right. So, um, like I would look at that and I'd be a little bit wary. Is like like what what is the optimal pricing here for those rates? Uh, and then on the lending side, like how do I know? Okay, so that's the borrowing side. The lending side would would be almost the opposite of like as a lender especially for like shit coins, right? Like how do I know what the optimal rate is to lend at uh, for whatever APR I'm choosing? Um, right. Because I'm just going to be, if, if I'm not a professional market maker, I'm really just going to be pulling APRs out of my ass and hoping that like I've got the right risk profile. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like what, what, like how, how is a retail user supposed to navigate those issues? Right. So right now, um, it is a little bit uh, more involved for the lenders, right? So as a lender, it is um, more involved than for the borrower. So let's take a look at the process from the borrower's perspective, right? All you need to do, really, if you go on our UI, you select the collateral token you want to use. You select the lend token you want to borrow, right? And then you just end up with a list of options, right? Uh, you know what LTV you want to borrow at, the expiry, and how much you're going to be charged for that. So that's not unique. This is not something that they wouldn't see on Aave or something besides the expiry point, I guess. Um, so it's not too bad for the borrower. You're really just uh, putting the collateral lend token, and then you will see how much you can borrow and how much you're going to owe for it, right? So for the lenders, those who make those offerings, it's a little bit more involved. And in order to address that, we're actually flipping the model, right? So there are people who are actually interested in that and they believe that they can uh, take advantage of this tool as a lender, as an advanced user, and they will create those lending pools, right? Because they can charge certain things for certain tokens that they, they cannot charge elsewhere, right? Because they know they can make that money. So there are those advanced users, advanced lenders that will be able to participate in that. And now to help the retail lenders we're actually flipping the model and that's something that's currently in development so we're going to flip the model and people will be able to request the loans right so there's going to be more sophisticated people that are going to be requesting the loans on certain terms that they need uh, and they will be able to hedge their positions because of that and lenders anyone any retail lender will be able to just one click legion ape into a certain pool um, and uh, they'll, they'll be able to just lend, and uh, they'll know that by the, that date, they'll get their uh, interest or they'll get the default collateral. So it's going to be one click for both lenders and borrowers, and uh, more sophisticated users will be able to dictate their terms and try to make money out of it all. Yeah, so it's essentially cash-secured puts. So the, the lenders are, buy, like, are, are essentially buying cash-secured puts uh, against whatever collateral they have. But or almost selling, right? Like, but they're getting paid to take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the the option thing is helpful when you're like trying to figure out what the effect of like ha having the time aspect of it. But like the second you start to actually think of these options, I do think like you get lost in the sauce. <laughs> yeah, and we definitely are thinking about ways. Like, let's say, how are we gonna? eliminate the expiry, right? We do want to give an option to people where they put in money and they forget about it and they just make some rate, right? Um, we are, we are um, experimenting with that. We are designing certain solutions that could work in that way, but mm -hmm. we also want to preserve our unique features such as non-liquidational loans, right? So 
um, we, we are looking in that direction. We do think that people in DeFi are used to that. Like I put my money in, I take more money out later kind of behavior. Um, so we, we are experimenting with that, but, uh, right now, like the first step to do that would be like flipping that model, right. Where people can lend easier. Um, but, um, we, we do want to take it even further and make it even simpler. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. So um, I like we've been going for 30 minutes now, like before we um, like run out of time, I just want to make sure that um, we talk about this last thing that uh, we discussed before the show and like an exciting thing that's on the, um, you know, the vendor dashboard, if you will, is this new proposal that you have going on with Olympus. Uh, Um, Yeah. Would you guys like like to um, talk about that and talk about why it's something you're excited about? So. Initially, when we were designing Vendor, we actually had it designed for DAOs in mind because it's cool for DAOs because they have a large treasury, they have a large community, and community cannot take, um, like, get the benefits of having that treasury, right? So now a DAO can lend some stables against uh, their native token, right? And community can get non-liquidation loans. In the worst case, what's going to happen is that uh, the DAO is going to get their own tokens back uh, avoid cascading liquidations and those tokens have backing. So it's not a bad deal at all. Uh, we proposed that to Olympus. They thought the same. So they had a pilot pool deposited into vendor, which was 500,000. Um, and that was a success. It got borrowed out in the first week. I think there's some liquidity left right now because there was a large repayment, but uh, mostly it was a huge success. Um, so we've posted a new proposal where uh, we do want to increase the amount uh, that Olympus would be lending. Because uh, we saw that there is a demand, so we kind of did prove that there is a market fit for that. And yes, the the proposal is soon going to become a vote because the temperature check went uh, rather well. So we are excited about that. The the actual vote hopefully is going to be going out either by the end of this week or next week for sure. And we we are super excited. Any kind of love we can get from your community on that front, or just any kind of attention, that's amazing. So please go check out that proposal. Uh, we're super excited about it. And uh, that was something that we've worked really hard on. And assuming this passes, which I, um, I'm i no longer an OMI. Right. <laughs> like, just like I'm still missing a limb. But um, I, assuming the proposal passes, which um, seems like a great proposal, is this, a, uh, ha- is this about providing liquidity into mainnet to Arbitrum? Is it not specific? Like what is the proposal actually? Right. We want to let the OMIs decide. So we give them uh, an, an opportunity to choose between whether it's going to be fully deployed on mainnet, whether it's going to be deployed fully on Arbitrum, or it's going to be half and half. Um, so that's that's actually the options that are most likely going to be going into the proposal. Uh, at least that's what we used in the temperature check, and that seems to work. Um, so yeah, it's, it's essentially something that their community is going to decide. We don't want to um, dictate anything upon them, just uh, what, what they really you have. A, again, like the, we believe in like decentralization and democracy and they're going to make the choice. But do you have um, a thought on like what makes more sense? Um, I think um, I personally have no preference, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're ready to facilitate them on any chain. Uh, I prefer uh, Arbitrum because I, I, I forgot like what it is like to pay major gas fees. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. But also we need to see like where is the majority of the tokens, right? Like if yeah. the majority of the users are on mainnet, then we'd rather facilitate them on mainnet because what, what's 
Like we don't want their funds sitting idle. Although on vendor, no funds are sitting idle because if somebody didn't borrow them, they can go to strategy and make interest rate in Aave, for example. So yeah, you're farming with a idle yeah. collateral. Yeah, that's important. It's, um, it's, it's cool, but um, for us personally, whatever they choose. And by the way, on today especially, I think we need to have like a moment to appreciate unliquidatable loans on Arbitrum uh, <laughs> because we had a like hour-ish uh, outage on Arbitrum. And like that is an hour in which like you can't, you know, attend to the health of your loan and like you can go, get into a lot of trouble. And so, um, you know, these kinds of products allow for like people with different types of risk tolerance to still access um, DeFi and like that's, that's exciting and that's good. And it's like the next step of like taking the first Aave and Uniswap and like building beyond that. <laughs> yeah. Just a new iteration, a new tool. Uh, and we believe that we've proven some product market fit. It's, it's going to have its place in DeFi for sure. Um, and we're just happy about that. Cool. Well, uh, Squids, any final questions? Squids. <laughs> just, just getting better. It's getting better and better. The, the... <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess I'll close this out. But um, you guys, thank you so much. I, I think, um, you know, DeFi Advisor has his own kind of like uh, story with you guys early on. And like mine is um, for a hot minute, I worked for Umami Finance. And during that time, um, again, working with One Moon and understanding um, what vendor was like really helped me like view a world in which DeFi treasury management becomes like a real sophisticated art. Um, and like, it can only become sophisticated when we have like the tools and the primitives needed to express like sophisticated statements. And so, um, you know, all the best to you guys at vendor and I hope you, um, I, I wish you all the best and, um, yeah, I don't know. Thanks for joining us. I will want to add one uh, small question uh, before we wrap up. Like, what is success to you guys? Like, uh, in for for example, half a year, one year from now, where are you? Uh, where can you uh, reach and be satisfied and say, okay, we're on the right path? Uh, like, is there any kind of uh, like uh, uh, short-term goals like that that you already have? Yeah. Um, so we definitely have a long-term goal where it's a vendor is actually an infrastructure that allows anybody to underwrite their loans, right? So if, mm -hmm. you, if a bank wants to underwrite a loan, they just go on vendor and they just do it, right? And that brings a totally different kind of volume. Um, in the shorter term, uh, we definitely do want to give this opportunity to make things simpler for both lenders and borrowers. So where we do flip the model for the borrowers to request those loans, right? And then we also want to uh, building that options uh, approach and kind of allow people to leverage without a risk of liquidations on any kind of token. So that's actually, we believe, going to be quite huge. Um, so, yeah, those are our uh, shorter term and longer term goals for now. Yeah, Super I would say cool. just to add something to that, because I agree with everything that Ty said. But for me personally, when I go to our UI, our dashboard, I love seeing that there are like a variety of tokens. I love seeing that pools are being completely borrowed out. I like seeing that people are like actually making deals. Um, so like in my mind, the like ultimate, maybe not the ultimate goal, but like one big goal that I want to see is that we have just a huge variety of tokens, a huge variety of just shit coins that people are borrowing against, they're lending against. Um, yeah, I just like to see like this kind of marketplace of, 
of lenders and borrowers. Like that's very novel and pretty new in DeFi. Yeah, I mean, I I do think like one of the things that like we need to like appreciate about somebody like Uniswap is not just like the technology and not just like how much like ETH USDC they're trading, but like that it serves like the long tail and like that is what crypto is. And like that, I think, is a great uh, way to view success for a vendor, but I think is a great way for all of us to measure success um, in this space. Yeah, I agree completely. Well, thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys. Yeah, thank you for your time. Yeah, very cool stuff. Thanks. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Yep. See you. Take care.